Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Well, you're going to meet him. You see what fun this is? It's going to get really exciting. I know what to do now. They have made it clear. You warriors are good. We are good. The best. podcast of Grindo Cinema Database. I'm Pete Roberts, and I'm very happy to welcome back Ken Hegarty from Gotham City Drive-In. Hey, Ken, how you doing? Greetings, uh, fellow boils and ghouls, <laughs> and uh, very happy to be back with uh, Peter, uh, who, again, is a uh, head uh, one of the head honchos next to Sebastian Vesselbeck of one of my favorite websites of all time, Grindhouse Cinema Database, and also extra thanks to uh, Peter kind of plug here for allowing me to do that review of terror train because oh no problem what better (laughs) way to what better way to celebrate the new year not only with this episode than with uh new year's on a train while uh slasher goes around giving around more severed hands than the tim burton yeah that's a great movie i I like that one but uh today we yeah today we were going to talk about two two uh, of our favorite well it's not really our favorite it's you know two classics basically from the grindhouse era and we, Two we interesting yeah. uh, little oddities that played in a little place called the Rialto. Right. And this is sort of like the this is sort of like the official start of the podcast, because for a while we didn't really have an, a, like a, a set, like, you know, concept of what we want to do. But now we we kind of know what we're, where we're going with it. And it's going to be double features, like authentic double features from the Grindhouse, the actual like, you know, the, the 42nd Street Grindhouse theaters. So the, the first episode is going to be makeup uh is made up of uh two features that showed odd shown on january 1st 1984 and those were uh nightmare on elm street and missing in action so those are the two films we're going to be talking about today so i I guess we could start off with nightmare on elm street if you wanted to uh sure if you want to uh and a little background brief background on rialto theater located two 201 West 42nd Street. The architect was Thomas Lamb and was Ariel Candala. It originally started uh, as most uh, as a uh, lush, uh, a lush little palace, but then mm-hmm. in the 70s, it saw adult films and WOR Studios later moved in upstairs. Imagine that daytime talk shows and people screwing as well. <laughs> Now, uh, then later on, it turned uh, into a more ritzy palace, and here we are today uh, talking about the first Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, a title that uh, a lot of us are familiar with, but uh, to a new generation of people that are listening to this podcast, you're probably wondering, what are we talking about? Well, it's the debut of one uh, Fred Krueger, who's called here Fred Krueger. Who slashes and slices teens in their dreams uh, because in the beginning he was a uh, guy who worked in a boiler room uh, 
originally he was meant to be like a sexual predator, but however, given the uh, state of uh, the country at that time, Wes Craven decided, you know what, let's make it a child murderer. Because that's so, that's just like so much better than the <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> eh, it's like I'm yeah, it's like kind of ridiculous, but yeah, I know. I'm fine with either one. Yeah, just right. as long as they written it well. Yeah, but, right. Uh, but anyway, so back to what we were talking about. So yeah. when he first gets caught uh, by the police, uh, they figured uh, they were going to turn him in, but due to some uh, weird screw up in the law where the signature isn't written in the right uh, search warrant, he gets let go free. And uh, there's vigilantism involved. So they chase him down to his uh, boiler room, set the place on fire, and he proceeds to haunt people in their dreams, including a young Johnny Depp. And, yeah, that's the introducing Johnny Depp. So this is his first first film, which was kind of cool to see. Yeah. He was sort of the plays... Justin Bieber of his day. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, he was like... <laughs> no. Well, you know, he was like, you know, he was like a teen idol, teen heartthrob. I'm just I'm kind of just joking, half joking on that. But, you know, he was yeah. that's what where he started out. So, you know, he was on all the covers of, you know, teen magazines and stuff at this time. Oh, and, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. wish. Though it makes you wish Justin Bieber died uh, in blood. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. The way yeah. uh, Shawnee Depp does. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't want switch to. Yeah, go ahead. Can we switch Johnny Depp or Justin, Justin Bieber? Bieber? Yeah, <laughs> it's like or kill, Justin. kill, kill, or Justin. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. So back to the thing. But uh, so yeah, and all, and also um, we also there's another actor in this movie that we've seen before in another horror film that we kind of discussed before, which was John Saxon, and he he was in Bl- Black Christmas. Remember Black Christmas? He yep. was also in Enter the Dragon, uh, right. Cannibal and- Apocalypse as well. And I think the first, I'm not sure if, if his first horror movie was the uh, the Evil Eye or The Girl Who Knew Too Much. That was sort of like, you know, the first Jallo, but he was in that one, too. That was like 1963 or four, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's I think that might have been these, his first one. That's the thing with these horror films. Yeah. Usually they'll have one veteran actor saddle up with. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. With Halloween, it was uh, Donald Pleasance. Friday right. the 13th, it was Betsy Palmer. And yep. here we get John Saxon. They kind of have like a veteran actor from like, you know, that's been in the business for like years and years as like as even, kind of like the main character. Main, like Even you know, uh, even Child's Play and Hellraiser uh, did that sort of thing. Was that like uh, Child's Play? Yeah. It was, what, um, what's his face? I was going to say Brad. Brad. Uh, uh, what's his face? Brad. Um, Dorif. Dorif. Yeah. Well, he was he, he was yeah. been around for a while. He was in like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Young and uh, Wise Blood and a whole bunch of other. Stuff. Well, it had another veteran actor in that, Chris Sarandon, who's oh, been yeah. around as well. And another Grindhouse classic, uh, The Sentinel. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's right. With Hellraiser, there's Andrew Robinson as well. From Dirty Harry. That's what I knew Yeah, him from. Dirty Harry, Scorpio. And before that, he was in right. another kind of slasher movie, Cobra, right. with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen all those. Yeah, yeah, I got. But, that, but... Uh, who was who else was in um, Nightmare on Elm Street? There was um, Ronnie Blakely. I think she was in Nashville. She was one of the stars uh, of that movie. Yeah, I don't one know if of you saw that one. Stars Amanda and, Weiss, uh, who's the first victim killed, and the person we're led to believe is the main star up until she gets uh, killed yeah. uh, at the very least. Uh, kind right. of in a tribute to Psycho. Yeah, right. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think of that. It's sort of like a psychoish type twist. Having her getting killed off real early, 
But, um, we set up a person who you think is going to be the main character, but surprise, she's right. dead. But uh, uh, I was going to say, uh, oh, yeah, and Robert England, he had been in like a whole bunch of stuff. Like he was in Eaten Alive, Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive before this. Yeah. And uh, now, at the, now at the time, yeah, at the time I was watching, at the time I was, this movie came out, I was like probably about 10 or 11. And he was on a uh, TV show that I, I loved at the time called V. I don't know if v, you ever saw that. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. V. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The one about the aliens. Yeah. Uh, they're secretly uh, invading the people. Yeah. They're kind they, of invading the earth. But that was yeah, like my famous. favorite show. Yeah. yeah that I've was heard about it because. Yep. Much like uh, with everything in pop culture, it gets parody to hell and back. I first yeah. heard about it through Robot Chicken because they <laughs> yeah. actually did Robot a parody Chicken. of me. <laughs> Yep. They did a parody of V. That's usually how I get my stuff. Knowledge yep. of pop culture through parodies. Yep. So that was like my favorite show at the time. So you happened to be like on that. And and then that's, this is actually the first slasher film I ever rented on VHS was Nightmare on Elm Street. So that was like kind of made a big impact on me when I first saw that. I always loved the, the opening credits of the movie when he's ma- yeah, making when the he's glove. Making the I love that. That's awesome. Such. Yeah. yeah I, I first heard about I first heard about this because I saw it on TV. It was on Spike TV back when there actually was a Spike TV, believe it or not. I remember Spike Uh, TV, yeah. Yeah, the first network for men. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. Of course, I only kind of uh, was interested in Spike TV because they had a marathon of Freddy's competitor, Jason Voorhees. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, So I first saw parts part seven on there, but... Back to what I was talking about. So it was on Spike TV that I managed to see the uh, first act of Nightmare on Elm Street uh, where he's constructing the glove and uh, you see the blade gloves going through the sheet like right, strange sheep. uh, It's like, what the hell was up with that sheep? The sheep. I guess it's supposed to like represent like, you know, the the innocent, you know, innocent, um, you know, slaughtering of the innocent sheep or something. You know what I mean? At the same time. Lambs. Like All lambs little, going to the slaughterhouse. Right, uh, lambs Freddy's going to the slaughter. Or, or Freddy's fucked up humor, like he yeah. sees Tina as a lamb going to right. this slaughterhouse. And I was wondering, do you think, I, I'm pretty sure that Freddy was like the first like slasher villain or killer like or killer that had actually like a personality to him because I think all the other movies pretty much like didn't, ha- like all they were all silent killers like pretty much, Up right? Up until that. Yeah, up you know until I mean? that yeah. point, uh, they were mostly quiet guys yeah. like Michael or Jason. Right, uh, and they just – and you didn't really like – you know, you didn't actually see – you, know, you saw that – like, you know, you saw the, the killer's point of view a lot, but you didn't like yeah. actually see him like, you know, running, ar- like running around like right in the camera a lot, in, which is different with Freddy. He kind of became like sort of ca- like a, you know, personality himself. Or in the case of Leatherface, uh, who yeah, mostly just I grunted suppose. and like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was like just sort that. of like a like a I don't know what was he was he was up. To, he was up. basically a human yeah. version of a gorilla. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, King Kong it, in this case, but uh, it's interesting because yeah. up until Freddy, the closest we came to a slasher personality was Norman Bates. Uh, yeah, and he was sort then, of, but I mean, he wasn't like. In like, you know, like he, he as when he killed and stuff, he didn't like have like a personality, like talking to people and stuff. And you know what I mean? He was just like himself, like a normal guy when he wasn't, you know, killing his mother as, you know what I'm saying? As his mother. Yeah. The closest would be after the shower scene where he's like, oh, yeah. God, mother. Yeah, yeah blood, right. Blood. The split personality thing, whatever it was. 
It was but, uh, more. It was. Yeah. It was less a slasher villain and more on par with well, Michael Keaton from Batman. Right, the split personality, kind of like the whatever it, you'd call it. The um. But uh, yeah, yeah. Freddie, especially the later sequels, definitely had uh, personality. Yeah, it almost and, becomes uh, like in the in the sequels, it almost becomes like a stand-up comedian routine. Like you know, he's like making doing gags and stuff, like you know, joke gags and. You know, as as he's killing people, like you know, he's with his with his one liners and all that type of stuff. It's like a second rate yeah. uh, crypt keeper from right Gales that type of thing. And I liked, That's I think cool. I liked the sequels even more than the first one. I don't know. I, I think I just I liked like the creativity of the of all the weird stuff he did, like in the the sequels, more than just the original one. It kind of got more creative as they went on, like the Dream Warriors. Like I loved it, like how it was like kind of like superhero kids versus Freddy, and you know, and it was like kind of. I liked all that type yeah. of stuff. And of course, we can't forget the songs by Donkin yeah. in that. Donkin, yeah, yeah. Dream Warriors. Yeah, which is what I listen to on the way to work. <laughs> but uh, I can only think of three movies in the uh, saga that I like. The yeah. first movie, the third one, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, I don't think I – I don't. I, I might have seen the New, New Nightmare once, but I – I think out of out of all of them, I liked the, the the first one, the third one, and the fourth one. It was Dream Master, I think it was. I uh, Dream Master yeah. is it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was never a, a huge, you know, Freddy fan, anyways. But bingo, you right. and me both. But Jason, uh, more Jason, Friday the Thirteenth yeah, Jason, series. Jason's where it's at, and right. uh, it. Helped I just think they were better. Mo- we, I think you probably felt the same way. They were, you felt they were like kind of better movies overall, like the way they, you know, what I mean the characters and stuff i don't know i just thought they were more entertaining and more yeah but anyway so shall i do the drive-in totals yeah sure all right Uh, i did this during uh horrorween three as i call it but uh we have four dead bodies two boobies multiple piercing nail sounds mutant face in the wall disturbing self-harm that freddie does body bag ghost with creepy crawlies one hall monitor from hell, old oatmeal stairs, old Johnny Depp faithful, strangulation, exploding light bulbs, Kentucky Fried Child Predator, Kentucky Fried Mom, <laughs> Hammer to the Stomach, Fingers Roll, Faces Roll, Gratuitous Lamb, Gratuitous Boombox Sound Effects, Gratuitous The Evil Dead on TV, Spooky Kids Singing, Shape Shifting, Bimbo Flinging, Bed Sheet Hanging, Bitch Slappy, Coffee and pill poppy, booby trap foo, chair foo, glove foo, power of love foo, four stars. Check it out with Twizzlers in your trick or treat bag. Yeah, and I loved it. I, one thing I did like a lot in this movie versus like the other films, like with you know the other slasher films, was how Nancy like kind of went like you know she she did like her like um, booby trap stuff like you know like she. You don't. You never like, saw that in the other movies. Like it would just be like the normal, like you know, fighting back with like a knife or something. But she kind of like set up a whole, you know, obstacle course for <laughs> Freddie to go through. That that was awesome. And of course, that, that, that was different. Of course, that's a. Tr- of course, yeah. that's a trademark with most uh, Wes Craven movies. Yeah, and but oh. it's like yeah, but it's like it almost like brought in a little bit of like the A team. Like whenever the A team would like at the end of each show, like when they'd like fight back against like the guys who. <laughs> You were they'd like they'd, they'd, they'd like set up a whole bunch of like, you know, they'd build a whole bunch of like traps and all types of <laughs> cool like weapons. And oh, stuff. my God. <laughs> That's what it reminded but, me of uh, all that stuff. And I said the evil dead on TV. Yeah, uh, I was going to I was going to bring that up. I was going to ask you if you, were, little, if you noticed that 
but you you noticed yeah. it. Yeah, which brings us to another story of sorts because right. there, for a while, there was like a little intertextual. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this too. I I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, you'd see, but uh, weird ass little war between Wes Craven and Sam, Sam Raimi, Raimi over yeah. who's the bigger horror guy. Yeah, it all start. It all started with uh, the Hills Have Eyes, believe it or not, because there's a scene in the Hills Have Eyes where, in the background, we witness a ripped up Jaws poster. Uh, right. Essentially, yep. uh, I know, Wes I know Craven, the story. Wes Craven uh, is basically trying to tell the audience, no. That was pop horror. That was watered down G-rated horror. This is the real horror where it's at. Yep. Then in the Evil Dead, we see uh, it's in the background of the uh, basement scene where uh, Ash and his friend go downstairs, uh, and we yep. see, oh, behold, a chewed up yep. Hills Have Ice poster. Right. Basically, as Sam Raimi saying, "No, I'm the real horror film. You're pop <laughs> horror." Your I love these little two, <laughs> these little references, intertextual, intertextual things. It goes to show you how weird I am. But anyways, mm-hmm. so it was basically Sam Raimi saying, "No, I'm the real horror. You're too uh, mainstream. You get stuff at Toys R Us and blah 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 blah." So it leads to uh, intertextual thing where Nancy watches The Evil Dead on TV in Nightmare on Elm Street, and to cap it off, in Evil Dead Two, guess who? Guess which one of Freddy things shows up in the background? What in, in Evil Dead Two? There's a there's a what I don't know what was in Evil Dead Two. I remember seeing it. What was it? The glove. The glove is in Evil Dead Two. Oh, heck I don't yeah. even remember. I don't even know where it was. Where was it? It's uh in the dead, uh, like far off in the background. Uh, when oh my he's constructing god! The, yeah, let's just say uh, the crazy to, thing. I'll have to rewatch it because I never, I don't think I ever saw, caught that when I've seen it. So that was, I didn't know that. And the funniest thing is others got in on this little intertextual thing. Like the weirdest and possibly most strangest case was Phantasm 2, where uh, during the scene where Reggie and uh, Mike are yep. uh, going through the graveyard, one of the yep. tombstones says Sam Raimi, actually. Oh, really? There's a little like on the, on the gravestone? There's a. Oh, hell yeah. So they're really kind of like. In, like referencing each other and stuff in there. I'm, I'm sure there's a whole bunch more stuff like that, but I can't think of it right now. But. So many references, yeah. so little yeah. time. But, yeah, that's uh, awesome, though. That's a little end of that story. I love all those little so, references and, tri- you know. Yeah. Now to uh, now to uh, bridge uh, to the other film. It should be mentioned that uh, Freddy's competitor is Jason, who uh, right. was the main guy in Friday the 13th, the final chapter, directed by Joseph Zito, who... In addition to directing another slasher classic, The Prowler, is the man behind the uh, camera for our second uh, feature for today. Missing in Action, starring Chuck Norris. And before you uh, ask, no, we're not going to make a Chuck Norris joke because uh, (laughs) they're not really that funny. He wasn't as hairy in this movie as he was previously in other movies, but yeah, wasn't quite as... But uh, So this was... Basically, like I guess at the time, uh, James Cameron's uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two script had been like kind of floating around Hollywood. And this was yeah. sort of there, like, you know, some writers kind of did their own spin on it because it hadn't been made yet. So that's that's mm-hmm. where this basically where the, the whole story comes from. It's like basically a pre pre First Blood Part Two 
you know, uh, res- you know, like, you know, rescue POW rescue movie with Chuck Norris, like as the, the main character. And he plays a uh, Colonel James Braddock, a, a special forces uh, guy, a special forces officer who had mm-hmm. been a P- in a POW camp 10 years earlier. And um, after after the war, he he goes back to the Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City and to investigate reports that U.S. soldiers are still being held prisoner there. So he's that's that's what he's doing there. And then he kind of like invest does a little investigation and then finds out they are, it's true. And he uh, decides to go on a little recon mission and um, he gets a little help from his old old pal, Jack Tucker, an old army friend. And uh, he's now he's like a black market like guy who does like, you know, he sells all types of weird merchandise and boats and guns and stuff to people. So they so he, he brings him in on 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 the trip with him and uh, they go back and they try to break out some uh, POWs. And that's like the, the the gist of the story. Yeah, it should be mentioned that Jack Tucker is played by our favorite character actor. M- Emmett, Emmett Walsh. Walsh, who yeah. Roger Ebert said no bad movie. No movie featuring either Harry Dean Stanton or M. Emmett Walsh in a supporting role could be altogether bad. Yeah, he's he's, right. he's great. Yeah, he's great. Like we we know him from Blood Simple. I don't people know Simple, him from that movie. He's he's jerk. been in tons of movies. Yeah, tons of stuff over the years. Jerk, ordinary people, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Yeah, everything. Uh, and I first heard about him through the movie The Iron Giant, actually. Because Iron Giant. He, oh wow. Yeah, he uh, voiced the sailor, the first one to see uh, the robot. Actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> I I, I must. I don't think I saw the Iron Giant. I might have. I don't know. Years ago, I probably did, but. I but, saw it yeah. as a little kid, actually. Yeah. So, yep. uh, and of course, he was uh, did some uncredited work on Midnight Cowboy as well. Oh yeah, I think I might have read that. But I, I I thought it was interesting that they named Braddock after the character from uh, the, the Graduate, Graduate, which was weird. What was that? You know, I didn't get that. It must, it's well, just a little in joke, I guess. But I don't know. According to this, the producer's idea was to create a Vietnam War hero with the name of what they thought was a lazy California <laughs> yeah. dude. That's funny. <laughs> That's a Which funny little thing. Usual, because this movie, for what you want to say, is uh, yeah. coded in right wing politics. So they're trying to take a jab at the left wing. And by the way, yeah. to anybody hearing this podcast, uh, I don't take a side. Both sides suck. Uh, I yeah. am uh, to politics what Stanley Kubrick was to them in Clockwork Orange. He's just you're just indifferent, I guess, to the whole thing. Yeah, let's just say. But I, wanted, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I won't uh, uh, trash anyone. Uh, you have the right to express your feelings all you want, basically. But let's just say, just uh, I take a note from Clockwork Orange yeah. that uh, the, the uh, writer and the government are all bad. I was cured, all right. <laughs> That's a good one. And uh, also, James Hong is in this, who people know from like, you know, Big Trouble in Little China and, you know, all yeah, types of, James he's been in tons of stuff over the years, too. Yeah, it's Big Trouble in Little famous. China, Perry Mason, Wayne's Man World, from Uncle, <laughs> Man from Uncle, and uh, to all you uh, DC fans, you may know him as uh, Professor Chang in Teen Titans. But uh, anyways, that's for my friends out there. Oh, and also uh, Jean Claude Van Damme is in this movie uh, doing uncredited work. Believe it or not. Yeah, I don't think I caught him in there, but uh... he's in the background. Okay. So yeah, right. from one action guy to uh, the next, actually. So uh, I remember seeing mixing, missing in action. In fact, I even got it on uh, Blu-ray, the collector's edition from Shout Factory. So yep. uh, it's an interesting uh, little movie. Uh, 
I'm not that big a Chuck Norris guy. Yeah, I mean, I think like at the time, like I, I rented this one. This is another one early movie that I rented, and at that at the around the time same time, like I I went to see First Blood Part Two, and I was just a, more of a Rambo fan back then. That was like the yeah. one that I saw that I really like loved. It was such a you know going to see that that movie at 11 years old at the theater. I was just like wow. It was like going to see Rocky or something like you know, but it was like you know action stuff. I think that was my first yeah. R-rated movie too. By the way, was uh, was um, uh, First Blood Part Two. But like, I just connected more with that one. This one was like more like one that I rented at home and just you know watched it. I was like, oh, that was pretty good, but I didn't love it as much. But you know, yeah, I was more of, of an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was more of an yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Kind yeah, and of I guy, watched those movies too. I loved all, all those Arnold movies, like Commando and Predator, and all those. Yeah, all that stuff. Tip Terminator. Yeah. Those were more my yeah. guys. Was was uh sly and oh, yeah. uh, arnold you know but uh yeah, was this was no but i rewatched this you know i just rewatched it last night and I th- it was a pretty good little film i, I thought it was good i mean it, it was like sort of like you know rambo light type thing it wasn't like mm-hmm. you know the you know the the diet cola of yeah. rambo yeah it was like sort of diet cola rambo but i mean you know, there was some good <laughs> action and stuff but then i watched the second one and it was like terrible the second the second yeah. missing in action oh my god it was so boring just the most boring crap ever and that was supposed that to be like the first it. movie believe yeah. it or not yeah, it was like, oh, I wouldn't recommend God. that one. Yeah, anyways, on to the drive-in totals. We have 100 dead bodies, 10 boobies, one motor vehicle chase with two crashes, multiple gunfire, gratuitous discount Rod Stewart, better than the actual Rod Stewart, but that's a story for another <laughs> podcast, bayonet to the abdomen, knife to the stomach, POW torture, strangulation, exploding palm trees, exploding helicopter, Exploding hotel room, exploding army base, exploding boats, TV smashing, chest slitting, neck breaking, kung fu, grenade fu, five stars. Check it out. And I just wanted to read a couple little quotes from uh, some critics and, and Chuck himself. So Kevin Thomas of the LA Times wrote, Missing in Action is so shrewdly tailored to Norris's stoic persona and physical skills that it's one of his best films to date. The only problem is its lack of suspense. You just know that Norris is going to succeed in his mission. Come to think of it, why did it take the invincible Norris eight years to make good on his own escape? (laughs) That's a good one. And then uh, Chuck also said that I'm not quite as anti-government as Rambo is. When the helicopter comes to rescue Rambo and the American MIA and leaves him stranded, I found that that unrealistic. There is not an American pilot alive who would leave them there. You'd have to shoot me to stop me me from picking them up because I'd be dead inside if I didn't. Oh, well. I I still think Rambo's a better movie, but... It should also be mentioned that yeah. uh, this movie uh, is distributed by our favorite uh, schlock factory themselves. Canon uh, Films. Go- Canon <laughs> Films. The Golan Glopus uh, Meisters. The guys behind uh, Death Wish 3, the He-Man movie, uh, yeah. Cobra. Breaking. Uh, <laughs> Breaking Break 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, there's also uh, Life Force. uh and pretty much all the Toby Hooper movies in 1985. So, and I also have go. to add in one of my most favorite movies of all time, Runaway Train was a canon film too, which is like, you know, that's probably one of the very, very best ones of their whole output, I think. Yeah. I love that yeah. movie. Personally, I like Life Force. Uh, yeah, I like uh, that. The best of the one. And yeah. also the Superman sequel, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, Superman 4. That movie was so terrible. 
Oh, it's God. like a car. It's like a cartoon, basically, like compared to the first one. Like uh, if you watch the first one and the even the second one, and then the third one was kind a of a good, screwed up, and then <laughs> and not a good cartoon. Yeah. No, it was like terrible. The nuclear nuclear man with the destroyer look, Superman looking oh. like a I don't know what you know looking like a hairdresser's nightmare there. Oh God, looks like Ralph Sorella. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph Sorella. Oh my God, From Howard Stern actually. That's hilarious. Yeah, the uh, any other any other home. stuff you wanted to add about uh, missing in action or uh, to I don't know. all I'll say is that if you want a Chuck Norris movie uh, that's decent and won't make you uh, pull the hair out of the top of your heads, it's either this or Invasion USA. The other yeah, one, yeah, that was the that was actually the one that I that I was a big fan of as a kid. That's the one I I, I kind of skipped MIA and went to the in Invasion USA. I love that one. That was my yeah, favorite. Invasion uh, yeah. USA with uh, our other uh, favorite character actor, Richard Lynch. Richard Lynch, who got, I think he got burnt or something because every time you see him, it looks like his skin was like kind of like burnt or something or he has like scars yeah. all over him. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. The dude from the sword and the sorcerer. But uh, right. out of those two, uh, missing in action is kind of more decent, although Invasion USA is still pretty good. And again, yeah. it's all from joseph zito but uh yeah those are our movies of the day nightmare on elm street and uh missing in action uh yeah those are good say the least. good interesting little, 80s movies uh definitely ones i wouldn't call uh big fans of i would have to say missing in action is probably the best it's a little bit more entertaining and more goofy to say the least uh what about you uh the two yeah Which i think i think well I see the thing is I'm more of like I said, I'm more of a Rambo fan. So I think I'd probably pick Nightmare on Elm Street as the more entertaining. I just found it like I rewatched it last night and I just found it really like fun. And and I also I what I really liked about Nightmare on Elm Street was sort of like the the alt like the kind of the the fresh take on the slasher film. Like instead of you know what I mean, the whole the whole like, you know, instead of just having it be like a normal like guy like you know, running around the neighborhood killing people who's in the dreams. And I just like the whole kind of like final girl like the the kind of like reboot of the final girl with nancy like how she you know she's more like um she's more uh intelligent when it comes to like fighting back against the killer and stuff she wasn't just so like you know waiting till the last minute she kind of planned it out and i just thought that was really cool and i did like her mother a lot in the movie like you know her mother kind of she was a very sympathetic character as opposed to just being like a two-dimensional like you know you know, cranky mother or something. She was, she had some like character to her. I just really liked that character. I'm not a fan of the ending. That's all I'll say. It's uh, kind of goofy. The ending is, is goofy. I have to say the ending is goofy with the movie. Well, the ending yeah. didn't follow. That kind of screws it up. That, yeah. It didn't follow the rules that the movie made up. So it contradicts no. itself. So, it kind of uh, like takes a weird twist at the end, like a weird, like, is it real? Is it not real type thing? But I guess, you know, I guess there's different it's ways. The studio, that, it's the studio wanting a sequel. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, anyways, right, right. It's like, uh, but we basically uh, wrapped up our thoughts and gave the yeah. uh, overall impression. Anything you want to give to the uh, audience before we. Uh, oh, just I, I just want to make sure we everybody checks out the, the uh, website uh, and then our Instagram Grindhouse database. I don't know if you want to yeah. give your Insta, Instagram in, address or. Sure, I'll give a short plug. Uh, you can find me at uh, Gotham City Drive-In Official. We recently did uh, a Paul Nietzsche film called Horror Rises from the Tomb, which is his version of Black Sunday and the Brain That Wouldn't Die, uh, essentially. It's an entertaining film. And mm -hmm. 
Also, uh, speaking of the uh, website, check it out, Grindhouse Cinema Database, for uh, my review of Terror Train. And uh, as Peter would say, <laughs> we shall see you at the Grindhouse. So thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, this is 42nd Street Forever podcast. Uh, Pete Roberts and Ken signing off. We'll see you next time. Happy 2023.